Hello, I'm Dr. Jesse L. Grice, founder and uh, senior pastor of Truvine Baptist Church. It's my heart as we welcome you. I welcome you, and I praise God uh, that you will get something from it and bless your life. And in Jesus' name, we love you. Good afternoon, all. What a blessing it is. Good to see everyone, especially those of you that are online with us, streaming. We thank God for you. Uh, thanking God for another day and opportunity to share the Word of God with you. And as always, our continuation in the book of James. Uh, tonight we will begin on James 1, chapter 1, verses 19 through 20 and beyond. So we're going to have a great time. And as always, the subject matter is get your life in line with what you believe. Get your life in line with what you believe. And so we thank God for that. As we began to continue on in James, as we have been for the last three weeks. And as always, if you have a question, uh, make sure you ask me and we'll explain it uh, to the best of our ability and we'll go forward. And, and also just pray for us. Thank God for those again online with us. We bless the Lord for you and we give God praise. And just to get us started on James 1, 19. So then, my beloved brethren, <clears throat> excuse me, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Everyone, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. In James 1, chapter 2, verses 18, it concludes the introduction of James that uh, enduring trials leads to a crown of life and yielding to temptation can lead to physical death. And since that is the case, the believer is in the midst of a trial, who is in the midst of a trial, to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Not only if you're going through a trial, but whatever you may be going through and dealing with other people, oftentimes our old nature gets in the way and we'll be quick to speak, less to hear. And so we don't want to do that. So in verse 19, he says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. In verse 20, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I'm assuming that James is speaking about in that verse 20, because we might get angry that it, it, it produces the righteousness of God. No, it doesn't. It produces sin in the person if they're not saying the right thing. If a believer gets angry in difficult circumstances, as a matter of fact, I had something like that today. They're going like, why did this come up on me? Because I'm teaching the lesson. Well, I got my own lesson to teach. So for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So as a believer, if a believer gets angry in difficult circumstances, the practical righteousness of God will not be evident in his or her life. Now you may want some more explanation for that. For example, someone as we would say in our vernacular, they just got on my last nerve. And then you said something that you wish you should not have said. That, that's what James is talking about. So when we get angry in a difficult certain circumstances, the practical righteousness of God would not be evident. In other words, they won't say, well, listen, I'll talk to you later or I'll pray about it and then I'll get back with you or something along those lines. When someone wrongs us, what is the first thing that you want to do? 
That's it. One of the first things we want to do is retaliate, uh, if only verbally. Amen. I'm sure it's verbally. But, but see, that's not, that doesn't produce the righteousness of God. That's why when the more of the word of God that we have in us, it guides us through these situations. Oftentimes we are in worship or Bible study or we are talking together as brothers and sisters in Christ is all wonderful and kind. Everybody is not wonderful and kind. Some folk in your house are not wonderful and kind. Amen. You know, whatever it might be, we get, we get our feelings stepped on. And then the first thing we want to do is the first reaction is to get back at them. And especially verbally. Because verbally is the first step before fisticuffs. Amen. Because I know you all don't do that. Amen. But this response does not glorify God. Holding one's tongue, trying to understand the other person's position, leaving vindication to God. I often remind myself what God said. He says, vengeance is mine. I'll repay. Now, I'm, I'm just like you, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not just talking to myself. But don't you just want to just say, Lord, hold on, just let me get warded. Yeah, see, I know we got some friends here, amen. But God says, no, that's my job. I'll take care of it. And so we want to understand it. So as we hold our tongue, trying to understand the other person's position, and I would add this, while we are in some type of situation like that, please begin to pray. You have to pray because if you do not, the enemy is going to use you for his glory. And the next thing you know, you're grabbing someone in the collar and all that kind of craziness uh, if you're not careful. So we leave the vindication to God and it demonstrates godly love in tense situations. Oftentimes, I believe, and it depends on our makeup, if we are quick to be angry, then we don't have time to listen to what someone says. That's why we're on this part of what James is talking about because this affects us all the time. This kind of situation affects us all the time. How about uh, uh, when you're driving? And sometimes we're all in a hurry to get to where we're going. And we're trying to be cautious. But what about those people where you're in a hurry? They're in a worse hurry. And they in front of you. And it almost causes you to have an accident. Now, you can't talk to them. Because if you do and you blow your horn and flip your lights on, then you're going to have some problems. So we hope the police is around so it keep us both out of trouble. So we want to remember those things. The second portion of this is being swift to hear, being quick to listen. Doing good works as a result of hearing the word of God. This is our A of this thing to help us out. So in verses 1, 27 through 27. Therefore, in verse 21, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. To save the soul is literally to save a life. The word of God that has been implanted and been embedded by the power of the Holy Spirit into the believer's heart should be received with meekness. That is to receive it with humility and gentleness. Oftentimes we read about the Lord Jesus 
Uh, there are a lot of things that is said, and we keep running over those words, humility and gentleness. And it's, we should be describing who we are as well. But really, when we look at this tonight, uh, it says we should be, uh, receive with meekness, and des- it describes a teachable spirit. What oftentimes I run into in our church and other places, Christians may think that they are teachable, but they are not. Now, I know things are running in your mind now, and, and you're putting it on somebody that you know in the church, and you may be correct, amen, and you know that that's not a teachable spirit. What happens when uh, I would uh, maybe say something that what the church should do and someone gets completely upset with it and wants to confront me? I don't mind the confrontation. What I mind, I, I really mind the confrontation. I don't mind an ant, uh, uh, someone asking a question about what I said so they can have clarity. But too often it's not that. When we, a person, when a believer does not have a teachable spirit, they have the, um, the wherewithal, they got the ambiance of someone who thinks they know it all, they know all the questions, or they know all the answers, but they don't know all the questions. And it seems that you can't get a thought in. That's not a teachable spirit. A teachable spirit is actually bound by humility and gentleness. And you're able to speak to the person even if you disagree with something that they may have said. And they would, they would come back and say, well, I didn't mean it that way, but I meant this. And maybe we can pray about that and talk about that and get it cleared up. That's teachableness. Otherwise, one with a non-teachable, unteachable spirit runs people away from the church. What do people think about the church? One, they think it's a safe place. Number two, this is where we ought to be in the house of the Lord. Oh, they write on both counts. But what we normally find are people with not, with no teachableness in them. They're not the pastor or anyone. They just make sure that you know who they are. So having a teachable spirit is absolutely most important. Describing a teachable spirit, and that is a teachable spirit without resistance without disputing or questioning. It doesn't say you can't question something that you're not, not, not clear on, but make sure it's what you want to know. And oftentimes a person without a teachable spirit will uh, have you wound up like a clock and you're not able to do what you need to do. So that's why we get verse 22. And this is for all, but be doers of the word. And not hearers only. You often hear me quote that in preaching and or teaching. Sometimes it goes over our head because we have heard it a lot. But what it doesn't mean, it says, but be doers of the word. The Bible declares that we ought to worship God. People come to worship God. Or at least they come to the place to worship. But are they really worshiping? The Bible declares in terms of our giving that we give to God because we love him. How many people do not give and they expect everything from the church, but they give nothing. The Bible clearly says in the Old Testament, do not 
steal? Do you cheat on your taxes? Is that not stealing? Be doers of the word. The Bible declares in doers of the word to love ye one another. Jesus says, love ye one another for that will show everybody that you are my disciples. Do we really love one another? Are we doing the word? I know, I know. Oftentimes some folks, it's hard to love. Now, that's how it is. But the, God doesn't make no division for that. He says, love one another. Who to one another? Are the one another's outside the, 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 the family of God? Or is the one another you and me? The one another is us. Not them, us. He didn't say nothing about the, about, the, about the folk outside. I mean, we got some word for that too, but I'm talking about us. Jesus says love uh, others like he loved us. Each one of us, if you would be really real, you online with me, if you were really real and says how much God loved me, it would change your mind. When God saved me, I wasn't even on sale. I was a rascal. If you told the truth, you were a rascal too. You weren't all that. Some people say, I found Jesus. Jesus was a lost we were. He loved us in spite of who we were. He loved us though we were sinners on our way to a Christless eternity, but he found a way to come and save us through the preaching and the teaching and adherence to the word of God. So why can't we love one another in spite of our differences? The church of the living God ought to be the most loving place that there is on the face of the earth. Unfortunately, it is not. Why? Because we're in here. That's why. We are not finished yet. God is still working with us. And that's fine. But how long does he have to work on us for us to love one another? We have sometimes when we're going to talk about it, the Lord has said the same, um, how things get stirred up in the church, in, in the body. Folk talk about what they don't even know what they're talking about, so everybody's confused. Is that love? No, I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about the folk outside. I'm talking about the body. If I said X, Y, Z is going to happen and someone misconstrued what I said, well, I heard pastor said, we ain't going to do it. That ain't what I said. Now we're all confused. What happens to the body? There is no peace in the body because we've just stirred up a hornet's nest because I heard. The Bible also talks, if you're going to do the word, stop gossiping. Some people come to you and all they want to do is tell you, man, look, I heard this. This is a good one here. Tell them I'm not a garbage disposal. And I say, I'm praying for you. That's not being mean. That's love. It's otherwise, it get out of my face. I ain't trying to hear that. You just told them in a nice way. Too often we are open to that kind of foolishness. And then you throw your rock and hide your hand like, I ain't do it. Yes, you did. If we're going to do the word, my friends, do the whole word. 
We cannot select the part that we don't like. You've got to get the whole word. The late Dr. J. Vernon McGee would say the whole word for the whole world. And we have to get into the word of God. So be doers of the word and not hearers only. Why? It's deception. We deceive ourselves. And we give the enemy an opportunity to blackmail us. Or to cause us to go astray from the word of God. It is the, it is, we've got to do this for our daily lives. Additionally, to hear God's word and not obey is to be deceived or misled. Matthew and Luke provide some clarity. Listen to Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone, Jesus says, who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father in heaven. Now think about that for a moment. It doesn't mention salvation, but it includes salvation. Not everyone that says, Jesus, or Lord, Lord, you know, I love you and all of that. And you don't do what the Lord says. Well, what did the Lord say? Well, just start reading in the Bible. You'll find all of those things that God said. We just talk about love one another. Let no pure frame uh, nonsense come out of your mouth. And on and on it goes. Luke says this in Luke 6, 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? I don't know whether Luke was copied off Matthew or Matthew called off Luke. Yes, sir. Okay, good. The question online is, is the only way that can be in alignment with James 1 is to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us? That's the, that's the first part of the question. Okay, uh, well, go ahead. Repeat that again. Is the only way that can be, a, can be in alignment with James 1 is to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us? That's the first part of the question. It's the only way. Okay. Because if we try to do it in our own strength, we are not going to make it. Why? Because our mindset, the way we are geared, we're going to tell people what they need to hear, whether they want to hear it or not. But the Spirit of God doesn't do that. Sometimes the Spirit of God says, don't say nothing. Sometimes he says, just be quiet and pray. Second part. He goes on to say that the Holy Spirit will cause us, will the Holy Spirit cause us to respond, mean think, versus react, not think? That, that's a given. If, my friends, it's, this is a departure, but that's okay. The question brings up a question, and we ought not to deal with that kind of stuff. Since the Spirit of God, who is the agent of our salvation, the moment we trust Christ as Lord and Savior, the Spirit of the Lord comes into each one of us and baptizes us into the body of Christ. And he dwells with us, that's a down payment, Scripture says, or guarantee, until Jesus comes. So he's always going to be with us. Now, the issue is, are we sensitive to the Holy Spirit, or are we just talking? Because to be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord, in whatever the situation may be, we, is, pre, is preparation. Well, what are you, we're talking about Preparation. Preparation and studying the word of God. One, we ought to understand what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is and then incorporate into our hearts and minds. 
Oftentimes, people speak what the Holy Ghost told me, and I just want to get out the way because I don't believe he said that. In, in other words, do not lie against the Spirit. That's a sin. If the Spirit of God told me, and I know he told me, he didn't write it, didn't send me an email, no text. He didn't call me on my cell phone, and I didn't see it on Facebook. If he told me, I know, you know, if the Spirit really told you or you told you. That's the point. Oftentimes, too many people get wrapped up in trying to trick other people by what the Holy Ghost said. The Holy Spirit doesn't make any noise like that. When God called me to preach, and I'm talking about, and you, if you were in that situation, and you would say what I said, well, you talking to me? I know you asked me. I know you said that. He called me the pastor. I knew he was going to do it. And when he told me, I said, okay, Lord, let's go do this thing. I'm in it only because I believe with my whole heart that the spirit of the Lord said, I want you to do that. So if the spirit of God says, I want you to do, I want you to go outside. And as a man that's standing on the corner, he has a green shirt on. I want you to talk to him about Jesus. Now, you know, the spirit of God had to tell us to do that. Because otherwise we wouldn't even go outside. As a matter of fact, most of us wouldn't go outside yet. I, I, I was just thinking. No, you weren't. You see, we got to be careful about putting things on the spirit. The Bible also says, do not quench the spirit. In other words, don't quench the fire of the spirit of God, especially in worship. Some folk make a lot of noise in worship and nothing is happening. But they want everybody to look at them. Is the spirit doing that or is, are they doing that? You see, there's some questions about that. So I would say in light of the questioner that you make sure that God by his spirit, that you're so in tune with God, your sins are forgiven and you ask God, Lord, clarify my mind. I want, I want to know for real, Lord, what it is you want me to do. And when I find out, Lord, I'm going to do it. But too often times we move because we want to move and not to do what God will tell us to do by his spirit. And God confirms it in his word. So I hope that helps the questioner, and thank you for your question. James gives us another illustration of a truthful heart in verses 23 and 24. And he says, for if anyone, and we're talking about the word again, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty or freedom and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. The word for the phrase looks intently into is paraklipos, a Greek word that literally means to stoop down to, in order to have a good close look. If, ladies, you are getting ready for work or wherever because you know you got to get your do right, your face got to be right, am I all right on that? All right. And you're going to be looking in that mirror, get your lipstick, you know, I try to get my hair right. Come on. Amen. 
We are looking into this mirror to make sure I'm right with myself. But when we begin to look into the mirror of God's word, are we right with God? Yes, sir. Got another question from the chat, Pastor. In James 13, he says that God doesn't tempt us. In the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to lead us not into temptation. Since God does not tempt us, what are we asking him to do? Well, first of all, I think you are a little little confused about that. There's two different things. One, God does not tempt me, you, or anybody else into sin. He doesn't tempt us. If we go into sin, we go straight up. I did it. Yes, that's me. I'm going to jump right into it. Now, the other part of the the questioner's question, um, in what part of the the, uh, Bible was that? This is James 13 that they're referring to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what they say is, what they're asking is, is uh, it says, in the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to lead us not into temptation. Since God does not tempt us, what are we asking him to do? His actual action is not to, we're asking him not to lead us into temptation. In other words, remove anything that will tempt mean to do evil but that doesn't mean that God is tempting you to go into evil you know how we go into evil we make a choice and don't get it twisted we make a choice to do that and when you take scripture out of context it's a pretext he's not talking about in the in the in the in the the Lord's prayer is one different thing but talking about it on the other side is going directly to the individual and that we might think as a whole, well, uh, you know, if I, if I get to this, I'm going to sell this dope because it was just there and somebody dropped it. I'm just making this up. God didn't tell you to sell no dope. Amen. And if you found it, you ought to call the police, stand there till they come and say, hey, mine. And said, you didn't take it. He doesn't tempt us if I walk into that situation other people are there too, so I'm not trying to do anything with something like that. Or there's a weapon on the ground, for an example. It ain't mine. Perhaps the best thing to do is to call the police or ask someone, what happened here? You want to get out of that kind of situation. God doesn't tempt us to do evil. And if we do evil, it's because we wanted to do evil. And to lead us not, in tempta- lead us not into temptation... He doesn't lead us. The question that the scripture says, he is not leading us into temptation. Think about that. If it's temptation to sin, then that's not God at all. I don't know where you, what your Bible says. So we have to be careful about that. Don't try to trip me up or trip anybody else up. Look at it for yourself. Get your Bible dictionary. Get strong dictionary and look at the, do the word study and find out what it all means. Because if we are not clear, we're going to have somebody else confused. You know, with me? Praise the Lord. Thank you, questioner. I do appreciate that. Amen. Anything else that comes up? Don't stop now. Y'all doing pretty good. And I think this goes right along with it in verse 26. James writes, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue. Now, those of us that may have been um, born on a farm or you know some folk did or you had some grandparents and you went to visit on grandparent day, amen. You know a bridle is put the, in the horse's mouth or the mule's mouth. 
As you know, that's for them. Why? Because with the bridle, you can control the animal. And so James says, if anyone thinks that he is religious, and the religious, he means all of the outward trappings of religion. If I had robes on and, and we're going to have all kinds of liturgy going on, that's the trappings. When we talk about worship, it's not that at all. So he says, uh, among you is religious and does not, and he makes it a point, and does not bridle his tongue. Have your tongue under control, but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. Often I see people in the church, and we're not calling anybody's name, and they look as though they are the part. Oftentimes I was shared in preaching that uh, someone would share to me uh, back in the day, well, you look like a preacher. I'm going, what do I look like a preacher? Do I look like a robber? It, it didn't make sense to me. But apparently my continence to them, I look like a preacher. Now, that doesn't mean anything. But if I'm religious, I need to be more than just that. I have more than the outward trappings. I need to have more than a suit on and a tie. I need to have more than a hat. I need to have God in my mind, in my heart, and in my spirit. And I need to share what God may have given me to those who may be listening. One who is truly religious will demonstrate it by controlled speech. How often have you in church, someone is in your right seat and you standing over them like you the police as if they're supposed to get up and you mumber things under your breath now, now who's right who, who's the Christian who ain't the Christian who's doing the word of God who ain't doing the word of God we get so used to I own this you don't own Jack it is God who put it all together If anyone among you think he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one religion is useless. One who truly is religious will demonstrate it by controlled speech. How do you do that? First of all, if it were me, I'm saying, Lord, forgive me what I'm thinking. And then, Lord, don't let me say nothing crazy. I just want to come and worship. If they had my seat in the pulpit, I would just praise Jesus. Dr. Richard, God bless you, man. I'm going to sit down here in the front. I think I got a seat over here. I'm not going to ask him to move. God may have sent a person here. I don't know that. I'm trying to draw you a picture, and you're all looking at me like I'm from Mars. But we are, I believe you know what I'm talking about. The word religious, threkos, refers to external observances. The outward ritualistic practices which a person may think are commendable are considered to be worthless and in the end deceives themselves and their own heart. Sometimes people walk in with their nice, I call it the wheelbarrow Bible, the real big one. They get on the right looking clothes and smell good, etc., etc., but they're not good because they really not, have not been born again. You don't have to have a Bible in your hand to let people know you're born again. It's the first thing you might say. How you doing? God bless you. Good to see y'all this morning. We come to worship Lord. You, you, with the, you ready to worship God? Amen. Bless you now. That's not being pretentious. That's not being anything, but just I'm glad you're here. How many people have run away from this church? People. Because they were standing up as if they owned the church. 
The pastor doesn't own the church. It belongs to Jesus Christ the Lord. And God's going to deal with them. Yeah, I know. I hear you. Yeah, I like to deal with them. I ain't dealing with them. That's God's job. He gave me a job and I'm going to do mine. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Just throw in a couple of things. So James is speaking about his time, but it still applies to us in many places. Pure religion before God. And I want you to catch this. God really loved orphans and widows. They were a throwaway group. In Jesus' day, James' day, they didn't have no social security. There wasn't no special place for seniors or a widower who lost her husband or a widow who lost their wife or whatever. It wasn't any of those kind of things. It was normally the older son within the family that would take care. But what if didn't have no son? Or the older son is dead too. God had a special place in his heart for children and widows and orphans. And he still does. And people are a mistake if they do not, and especially the church, if we do not find ways to help them, protect them, and bless them. In ancient societies, the poor and widows, throw the children in there too, were the most needy and unprotected people of the society. True religion does not merely give material goods for the relief of the distress. It also oversaw their care. Not only just medical care, but it is also about spiritual care. In the church today, I know we've had some different parts of it, but I feel bad today because we don't have brothers and sisters in this church who really want to help take care of the widows. Now, a couple, three people might do some things. It's more than just show up on Christmas Easter. What happens on the other days? They need a word from the Lord. They need somebody that's got a word of prayer and, and just come, Mother, how y'all doing today? I just stopped by to just pray for y'all. And, and you got any special needs? Well, yes, ma'am, let me sit down and pray with you. And you're going about your business. Think about it. Don't worry about somebody giving you kudos because you went to see the people at the old folks' home. But know this, God see it. If God saw it, it's all good. He'll do the rewarding. You see, the church of God, not just this body, but many other churches, we have to get out of ourselves and begin to put ourselves aside, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might lift us up and go and deal with some of these people who don't have any protection today. And it's not so much that they don't receive Social Security or they do receive Social Security. That's not important. Well, how many people don't know Jesus? How many seniors, they think they know, they went to church, they've been in church 100 years, they're 105, so they're 100 years in church, but they don't know Jesus. How many of us will take the time and say, you know, I'm going to go talk to a couple of them older sisters. I want to make sure they stay and go and just talk to them. We ain't going to fuss at them, we're just going to talk to them. You try to fuss at them, they'll fuss out you. You don't do that. Amen. You see, that's, that's religion. 
And it goes back to what I said earlier. Jesus says, love ye one another. And it goes to those who can't get up and go themselves anymore. But we can stop by. We can cut their grass or we can fix something in their homes or whatever it might be. And just to show we love you. And sometimes you just might want to just take a couple of people over and, and then say, Mama, you, you eat some. And Dad, y'all eat chicken? Yeah, I need some chicken. We're looking. You want to fry and bake brawl or what? I want it for Popeye's. Okay. We go, and we'll go with the buttermilk biscuit. Not a problem. I'll be back in 10 minutes. They don't be back in an hour now because that ain't going to work. They're going to call you on that. But isn't it wonderful? That's what the scripture gets out of us. Matthew says in 25, well, before we get there, no, I can do it now. Matthew 25, 35 through 40, these five verses. And it's talking about the same thing we were speaking about before. For I was, this is Jesus. And, and I want you to think about this because when we talk about doing the word, this is one that do the word. And as a matter of fact, I was convicted in my heart about in this very portion of scripture while stationed in Germany. And I never really thought about anything like this, but it happened. So I just will let you know that. For I was hungry, Jesus says, and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Now the verses before that, it said just the negative. I was hungry and you did not feed me and that kind of thing. But here it says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When, when did, you see, uh, did we see you a stranger? And take you in or naked and clothe you. Here's the catch in verse 39. Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Verse 40, here it is. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. When we fail to go and do what the Lord says to do, when we fail to do the word, each one of us are convicted in our own hearts about certain portions, not all of us at the same time. And if God has touched your heart about this, you've got to go and do something about it. Yes, sir. Chat question. Is it wrong to stay away from people that talk about TVBC? I love TVC. TVBC. When I see them coming, I move so I don't have to talk to them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that's a good question. But really, I got two thoughts on that. And I think we individually we'll have to deal with it. It's, I don't think it's a hard and fast rule for everybody. Those that have done me in, it is very difficult if I see them for me to speak to them. You go, oh, no, not the pastor. Yes, the pastor. But I, I said, Lord, help me. Even before I get to the person, Lord, help me. Man, how y'all doing? God bless you. Now, listen, I am not going to stand around and have no conversation. How y'all doing? I'm good to see you. Y'all have a great day now. And I'm not just saying it to say words. I mean it. But I don't have to stand there and talk to you about the way you treated me. 
I love you in Jesus. That's it. And I know sometimes we get all jacked up in the mind that if you love him, you do it. No, 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 no. You missed the whole point. Love is not saying you all right. Love says you need to get your act together. When Jesus spanks us, literally, figuratively, does he not love us? Of course he does. He's chastising us. And he says so in the word. I don't have to stand there and listen to what they might have to say. But I can. I don't have to be crazy. I need to say, listen, good to see you guys. Hope y'all doing well. Okay. Well, God, y'all have a great day. Keep it moving. On the other hand, you might say, no, I ain't talking to them people. Well, you deal with God. And you just have to talk to the Lord for yourself. And that's a tough question. It's an individual uh, thing. Um, Deacon Mike, did you have a question? Okay, all right. But, that, that, you know, that's a good question. But you see, it's upon each person, because we all feel a little different about whatever, when a person used to be here and they're not. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy that they left, even if they did me in when they left. But I'm not going to eat supper with them because that's not what I'm going to do. But I'm not going to treat them wrong either. I'm going to say, how y'all doing? Good to see y'all. Y'all have a great day. If you say, well, that's, that's just a, a sorry excuse. Well, that's my sorry excuse. Praise the Lord. Man, I don't hate them. And you know one thing I wanted to preach to, but I don't know if I'll do it this Sunday or next. One portion of Scripture that we really don't pay much attention to anymore is forgiveness. People hurt us and we will hold it to Jesus come. We will not forgive them. But I went through a situation. I, I talked to quite a few people here at the church, what I went through. And God told me, I am sitting in the rear of the car coming from another place and the Lord says to me forgive them I, to tell you the truth I wasn't trying to hear that and he said it one more time and when he did I said I began to pray I didn't want to do it when was the last time somebody hurt you and God told you to forgive them did you want to do it y'all tell the truth now y'all at church I didn't want to do it, but when I did, I obeyed God. Remember, be doers of the word and not hearers only. So I, I was hurting. I prayed. I'm crying big alligator tears. And I said, Lord, I forgive him. And then I said, Lord, forgive me for whatever part I played. I, I don't know what I did, but forgive me too. And within about seven or eight days, I could still hear it. I could still remember, but there was no pain. I remember today and there's no pain. I don't have nothing against him. I praise God. Why? Because if we do what Jesus say, we're going to be free. Too many of us are locked up in our own jail because we won't forgive folk back in the third grade. And we wonder why we got, we're taking Maalox and Pepto-Bismol. Deke. Good evening. Pastor, you, you hit something that uh, it touched me when you talked about uh, forgiveness and we, we've talked about this in, in passing, and, and my wife knows this. Um, I, I dealt with unforgiveness for a very long time. And to the point, my wife would tell me, uh, and praise God, thank God, she said that one day you're going to even have a stroke or a heart attack. <laughs> I pray and, you don't, brother. I pray you don't. And, 
and I, and I, I'm not saying that to be uh, to out of line with anybody or anything. I'm just saying. Actually, experienced something. Um, but the point is, is that forgiveness, whether you need to extend it or ask for it, and for my case, it was asking, and I finally surrendered to God, and I had peace that surpasses all understanding, and it heals you like no other. That's all I got. I'm, I'm with you 100%, and when you yield it, and, and when we yield to God, Getting, giving forgiveness or receiving forgiveness is most difficult. Let's look at the one for if you give forgiveness. Uh, someone that you, you're talking to and, 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 you, and they ask you for forgiveness. That's tough. But why? Because they know what they did. They know why they did it. But if you're in Christ, you do what the word says to do. Forgive them. And I'm taking Jesus' word to his disciples, for they know not what they do. Another word of God, it says, you forgive them because when you do so, you heap coals of fire on their head. That's not literal. What it means is that they'll be so embarrassed and so dejected because they didn't do it. They end up begging for forgiveness. On the other side, when someone uh, forgives you, or you, ask, you, you say to a person, forgive me, and they don't say nothing. They're like, I ain't doing it. You know, basically, that's what they, they expression, I ain't doing nothing. But, but see, that's fine. You ask them for forgiveness, and that's it. If they don't forgive you, that's between them and God. You are free. Did y'all realize that? They, if, 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 if I'm given forgiveness and the person does not respond in a positive fashion, I'm done. God told me to forgive them, and I went and did what I had to do. God, the rest of your, is your story, Lord. Bless you. I'm gone. That's the part we don't get. But the hard part is that we need to obey the Lord. There's hurt in the church, and people ought to ask and receive forgiveness, and don't go back and do it again. In other words, if you forgive somebody, do not leave the hatchet hang standing up. When you go bear it, bury the whole hatchet. Don't leave the handle sticking up so you go back and get it and hit them over the head again. That's forgiveness. Yes, sir. I think you just answered the question, but I'm going to go ahead and share, share okay. what this, this one asked. They said, um, how are we to demonstrate the ministry of reconciliation toward them? So I think you just pretty much answered that question, Pastor. So I think with the, to the, uh, the questioner, just to add a little bit to that, break down some of the words like reconciliation. Uh, you know what it means, but say what it is. In other words, we're trying to establish a right relationship with a brother or sister. Or it could be somebody who's not even saved. If you do it the way God will have you to do it, reconciliation is going to happen. And if it's a brother or sister in the church and y'all get to crying and having so much fellowship, y'all forgot all about why y'all was mad in the first place. Oh, reconciliation has happened. Yes, sir. Another question. Pastor, what does it mean when someone tells me that they are spiritual but not religious? <laughs> Woo! Millennium. That's a good one. Uh, I have zero idea. <laughs> Amen. Because we just said about religion, that's, that's an outward observance. So if you get in with your robes and all that kind of stuff, big old cross walking in, I guess that's religious. Spiritual, I have no clue. I, I want to just let you know this. I'm born again. 
Amen. And I'm, I'm gonna, you see this, really, think about it. All of those kind of words throw people off. How about some of the entertainers, y'all special entertainers? I was, man, I was raised in the church. And I'm just spiritual. You are. What does that mean? You see, it's easy to say, you know, I was a, we don't want to say this because that don't sound too nice and pretty. I was a sinner on my way to hell. And one day Jesus stopped the train and says, let Jesse off. I trusted the Lord as my Savior, and I'm glad I did. And oh, by the way, do you know Jesus? We got to stop this nonsense with all the big words. Break it down to someone that may not know your language. Oh, you didn't know we had different languages, did you? In the church, we got our own language. It starts with praise the Lord. Yes, Jesus loved me. Oh, hallelujah. I said I have no idea what you're talking about. Be real. I'm not saying you can't praise the Lord. I'm not saying you can't say those words within the context of other brothers and sisters. But what we can do, we're talking to someone that may or may not know the Lord. You know, get real with them. You know, hey, brother, sister, I just want to let you know that God loves you, man. I mean, well, what does it mean he loves me? You see, he sent Jesus. And because God says in John 3.16 that God sent his only begotten son to give his life for me and you. And what do you mean give my life? You've got to be born again if you want to see Jesus in glory. Now you can witness to the person. They understand that. They don't understand the language that we all know now. They got to speak in English. Amen. Yes, sir. So, Pastor, um, Reverend A.D. brought up something, and I just wanted to kind of, not that I understand what it means to be religious. I mean, I, I understand that, but what it means to be spiritual. But uh, there was a survey done, and a man was speaking, and he said, in the United States, in this present time, Many people, just like we identify a certain culture, many people identify with being religious and they or have an affiliation, but have never stepped in church, have never been under the preaching and the teaching, and I, and I, I assume that's what it means. And you're exactly right, Dayton. Yeah. And again, it goes back to words. People using spiritual and, and what's that other one? Um, religious. It means a lot of things to different people. Uh, people that are involved in cults, they're spiritual. Yeah, they're religious. But they may not be saved. You see, we got to break it down to his Lord's common denominator, LCD. Jesus Christ gave his life so that I can be saved. In other words, I got to be born again in order to be in the kingdom of God. Now, all the other stuff is just window dressing. And when we live our lives, when we're talking to people, we need to be real people. You don't go in there with your big old wear of Bible and <clears throat> the word of God says this. Nobody want to hear that. And when you're talking to someone and you're talking about their particular issues, deal with the issue according to the word of God in you. And you can say, listen, God can deliver you, but you got to trust him. It's all about faith. I know you don't understand that, but I just believe I know he'll forgive you. And then you tell your testimony. You know, I, did, I had da 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 in my life, and the Lord delivered me from it. And I haven't wanted my, I don't no taste for it. I don't desire it. I don't know when it left, but I know I'm so glad it's gone. Now that person goes say, well, man, I got this issue. I sure need to talk to you about it. Okay, let's sit down and have a coffee, some coffee over at Starbucks. We're good to go. 
Amen. Yes, sir. How about the one that says, God knows my heart? Oh, yeah, I love that one, Deke. I love that one. Yeah, he does. He does know your heart. And if you don't get right with him, you ain't going to have none. <laughs> you know, God knows my heart. It's an excuse for not coming to Christ. And I hear people in my own family and other families, oh, yeah, the Lord knows my heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And if you don't get Jesus soon, it ain't going to be too nice for you. Yes, okay, we have another question, D. Okay, go right ahead. This, this is just too good, amen. But tell everybody who missed it. Sorry, Pastor, so, um, this, uh, I'm loving it, I'm loving it. So you also talked about, um, you know, religion and things like that. It made me talk about a conversation or remember a conversation I had. As a matter of fact, I shared this with you uh, when I got back from my deployment. Okay. And the gentleman, he, he acknowledged that he was either atheist or agnostic. Okay. And um, he talked about, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't believe in, you know, organized religion. And, and, I, and I told him that I, I was a professing believer. And I said, you know what? I don't believe in organized religion either. And he looked at me for about five seconds. And I said, I believe in having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. And it changes your life. Yes. And the key is many people, Christianity different than any, any other thing. Why? Because it costs you something. Yes. Everything else you can just do and according to yourself, you're good. You bring up an excellent point and it's also about other words that people like to use uh, that we've already discussed. Um, but I love the way you answer that person. I don't like organized religion either. I'm, I'm in a, uh, a relationship, a spiritual relationship with the Lord God of heaven. And that sets the tone for that person. I'm sure it stopped them in their tracks. And they had to rethink what they were saying because we are so confused about these types of titles. And so just keep it simple. Share if someone asks you your testimony. You don't have to use the word testimony. But you can say, listen, let me share with what the Lord has done for me. And, and that's as clear as you can get well, what happened to you? I, I was a drunkard. I was on drugs. I was running around on my wife. And probably you'd be crying by that time, and so were they. And by the time you get through, you got everybody around you want to confess. Why? It's real. And Jesus, by the Spirit of the living God, is in us. And as we're talking to someone, he's there talking to them and convicting their heart. It is God who convinces and convicts the heart. We'll just the subject matter. We just tell them. In Matthew 29 and 10, he says, tell them. And that's what we do. We just let them know we love the Lord and God loves me in Jesus' name. Oh, you guys have been beautiful. We'll come. We have to go back and get that picked up again. Thank you for your question. Those online, thank God for your questions too. We give God praise. The Lord said the same. We're coming back next week and we'll do it all over again. Amen. Give God some praise. If you now have our announcements, we just praise God for it. Thank you so much for your attendance and your support of the podcast. We do hope to see you again or hear you again or even talk to me again. And we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you.